1: Hello, hello out there in Chicagoland and all over the country. Uh, we're broad, beaming broadcasting worldwide here from the studios at AM 1160 in the heart of Chicago, and uh, today's no expe- exception. So welcome to Faith Marketplace, where we equip individuals, entrepreneurs, small business owners with resources, plus community, to make a kingdom impact to glorify our mighty God while gaining inspiration from Marketplace leaders. And boy, do we got a great one today. Again, I'm Bob Lambert, the host of Faith Marketplace, and also the founding partner of the Samurai Business Group. At Samurai, we offer entrepreneurs, individuals, small mid-market companies, and their teams advanced business development and sales skills training. Most of our clients report that they have doubled or tripled top-line revenue within 12 to 18 months. And boy, we need some of that going into some of our economic times here coming up. At Samurai Business Group, we put the win back in your sales. And boy, I tell you, I we've got a recurring guest today, folks. It's been a while. And I am so thrilled to introduce to you, Nicole DeFalco, a friend, a colleague. We've known each other. We forgot how long we've known each other. She is a CEO of Upsurge Advisors. Welcome, Nicole.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I
1: appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I think we uh, kind of recanted that it has been several years since you've been on, and there's a lot that's happened since then uh, for both of us, obviously. So, um, you know, why don't we, uh, you had a great quote that you shared with me. Why don't you share that with the audience? And why is that important to you?
2: Sure. Um, Actually, I had, so I have to just be, you know, 100% transparency. I have had on my whiteboard um, this quote that is, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And I can't remember who I heard say it, and so then I was like, oh, well, if I'm gonna officially do this, I need to Google it. So it turns out that Bob Buford had said, the fruit of our work grows up on other people's trees. But um, for me, that's a very special quote because um, it it really opened up my eyes to what I do. Um, and I've, I've equipped leaders through learning. And so the beauty and the bounty and, and the fruit of the work that I do doesn't always shine on me as an individual. It's really when those leaders are out and they're making an impact that, um, that it all comes to fruition. So that's why it's an important quote for me. I, I,
1: yeah, I love that so much when I read that. I think, Wow, that is really awesome because, you know, uh, all of us want to be servant leaders. And obviously in the practice of our business, we want to serve our clients and we want to serve them well. But, you know, that the bounty really is in the fruit that they provide you know, through that, Uh, we're just kind of the messengers, right?
2: (laughs) Right. And I love that, like go, because they can do, uh, that's the beauty when you take care of leaders, right? And you equip leaders is the, the multiplier effect or that exponential impact. You can only do so much, but you equip a hundred leaders and what's the, you know, and then watch them affect all those different lives and all those different businesses. So that's what I love is that.
1: Well, it gets back to the old saying, right? You teach a man a fish, he only, he he goes hungry, you you know, or you you give a man a fish, he goes hungry. You teach a man a fish and guess what? Right. And, uh, that's what we're all about is teaching and coaching and helping folks as they go forward in their careers and their life and so on and so forth. Um, Let's, let's share with the audience, Nicole, today, what is it that, that you want them to take away out of our conversation?
2: Yeah, I love that you do this up front, by the way. It's such good learning, right? Like, yep. front load when the attention is the strongest, right? Um, you bet. So I think, um, I think if, if people could walk away with just, you know, a few things uh, to remember. The, the most important, I would say, is that learning is a strategic lever, I think in a lot of companies, uh, especially in entrepreneurial endeavors, it's a lot about the work, the product, the service, even you know, just getting that out the door, getting the first people in the door. Um, and then it's like, later on, we, you know, somebody ends up being designated the HR person, right? Because somebody had to run payroll and that person. And it just takes a long time for learning to ultimately evolve in an organization as its own entity. And I think that's a huge miss. And I think any large organizations that um, kind of use the training budget, so to speak, as the universal donor, right? You were talking about the economic <laughs> times and things, things yeah. are getting a little rough out well, there, a little dicey right now. And I, I think that's a tragedy and, and just should not be done. I think that when times get tough, you should pour into learning. Yep. Um, and we learned, you know, the pandemic taught us that, right? Leaders came across a situation where there was no playbook. You know, there was nothing yep. to look back on unless you look back to 1918, right? We didn't know what to do. So I, I, leaders have to be learners. And so learning is a strategic lever. It moves the business forward because you're propelling people forward. Um, so that's kind of the, the main takeaway. I would say in that then is, you know, the best companies are the ones that are putting people as a top priority. Not yep. actually, I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold on this challenge if I say people are my, you know, are a top priority, I might have 10 top priorities, right? right. I think if your people are the number one priority. And yep. so, which goes back to why you need learning because your leaders have to know, they have to know, they have to have habits and skills to be able to treat people as the number one priority. And the businesses that get that right are the ones that flourish. And so that would be another really key point is to really kind of look at, are you. You know, if, if I look at your systems and your processes and where you spend your money and your time and your energy and what really gets rewarded, are people really the number one priority or are they just kind of on that list and you try to make sure you get to them? So I think
1: Well, you said you uh, hit a nail on the head and you know, it's sourced by me because it's been mouth for a long time that the total assets of our company are our people, but it doesn't right. you know, the actions belie that. I mean you just don't see that. I think what has really come to, to the head of all of that now is the pandemic. They're starting yeah. to realize now that man, we we really better be taking care of our, especially the ones that are valuable to us, because now Absolutely. we got we got free agent nation going on, and yeah. uh, people are yes. you know people themselves realize through that, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Right. You know, why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I even involved in this? So right. you, you just start to start to stay work. where I'm
2: not valued, right? So yeah,
1: exactly. You you and, and more so now that people have gotten that awakening, I think so. Yeah. I, I want to applaud you and I, and you know Nicole, audience. Nicole is a perfect example of a lifelong learner. Ever since I've known her, she is continually learning and continually improving. Because we all know when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. To, yeah. to borrow a quote from Craig Greshel, you know, just All recently. Right, you yeah, got a little
2: in there, nice. Yeah, nice, nice and
1: uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know and it's just wonderful but you got we got a lot to talk about with you because you got a lot of things going and again one of the things I don't want to miss on is the fact that you have really done a lot of work with emerging leaders and I've got a real heart for that mm-hmm. and we, we oh. want to make sure that we don't miss that but let's reacquaint our audience with uh, little Nicole you know did you come out of bouncing baby Christian girl or what, what was your no path?
2: she did not come out a bouncing baby Christian girl I don't have that story I have uh, I have a different story for a different set of people um, my yep. witness for all of you who did not come out of the womb as bouncing believers, but bouncing doubters. And um, I I would say probably by the time I was in my 20s, I was probably a full on atheist at that point. Uh, But we were having some trouble in our marriage. And my husband said, um, actually started with my son, Trey, God uses the Mm -hmm. children, right? So my son Trey was sort of standing in between his mommy and daddy and saying, mommy, you don't talk to daddy and daddy, you don't talk to mommy, like he was mediating and that woke us up. And my husband was the one who said, hey, I think we need spirituality in our lives. Uh, and so um, we looked around for a whole bunch of churches and as a good atheist, I made sure I put a whole lot of parameters around it so that there really wouldn't be a church we could find. Right, and yeah. uh, God found a way, my neighbor, Julie, shout out to Julie Reagan, uh, was the one who pointed us to Willow Creek. And we went on, this is how much of an atheist I was. We showed up at Willow Creek on a Sunday and I, and it was Easter Sunday. And I didn't, oh, we wow. weren't even aware that it was Easter Sunday. So we showed up on Easter Sunday and they had the drama back then and they showed three vignettes, um, life with Christ, life with God and life without God. And um, man, I just started crying and I said, that's what it is. That's what's been missing in my life. It's God. And um, we never looked back, you know, yeah. gave myself I to Christ that summer and a year later was baptized and we've been finding our way through what it looks like to live a fully devoted Life. Yeah. So.
1: that's wonderful. Uh, what about uh, age wise were you at when they all came together for you?
2: I was 30. I was wow. 30 when I okay. came to Christ. Yeah. Well, so God bless you um, know? Yeah. You're never too, you know, never too late to, to right, transform. Right. Exactly.
1: So. Well, you beat me yeah. by about 32 years. It was 52 when I came to the Lord. So. Oh, all
2: right, there you go. So we're we're yeah. we're spreading the hope all around. So anyone who's yeah. listening who's like, "Oh, it's too late for yeah. me," like, yeah, exactly, Guess what? you can't run from God. He's gonna you find bet. you when he when he wants you. So. You know, and, and
1: I've heard some wonderful stories where folks during the pandemic had lost loved ones, and mm. and uh, their loved ones came to faith. You know, as they were as they were yeah. in their final days and moments, you know, so yeah, yeah you're awesome. absolutely right. It, it, there's there's uh, no time limit on that. So, uh, you know, well, listen, folks, we're going to get into the next segment. Full force, as you can obviously see with Nicole, we got a lot to unpack here in a very short period of time, and I don't want to change any of it because it's it's uh, it's a story that what God has done in her life and what she's done remarkably, particularly what we call the emerging leaders or younger people and coaching and mentoring. so we're going to tap into that a little bit uh, here in this next segment. But before I do that, I am proud to welcome Inbound Studio as our sponsor of Faith Marketplace. They have generously provided their talent and expertise to develop and maintain the Faith Marketplace website. So please get out there and check us out faithmarketplace.com. Uh, Marshall Mollet, the owner, has a mission to help small and mid-sized businesses be more effective and efficient in getting results from their marketing technology. With their vast experience, Inbound Studios builds websites using inbound marketing methodology that provides a beautiful visitor experience that has them coming back for more. And you can't ask for much more than that. So uh, that's why I want you to go out and check ours out. I'm hoping that you're going to be coming back for more. As a result, the company has evolved into the premier provider of web technology services in the Midwest. I encourage you to get out and check them out. It's inboundstudio.studio. Again, inboundstudio.studio, and if you uh, are so desired, please give Marshall uh, Mullet a a shout out uh, as to what he did with Faith Marketplace. Also, uh, there's a little donate button on there, and that's how this ministry operates, so if you got a few extra pennies uh, from your vacation, send them our way. We'll be right back.
0: this is chicagoland's place to inspire equip and encourage christian business leaders faith marketplace radio
1: hey we're back here with my guest nicole defalco she is a ceo of upsurge advisors uh and if you missed our first segment you gotta get that the podcast is gonna be out there and also this interview so um but what i want to do here nicole and i alluded to it earlier is um let's give a little bit of a background you got involved in on the board and are working with generation distinct and uh, months ago we had hannah barrett that is the founder of that on here and frankly you were the one that you know introduced me to her so why don't we share with the audience your involvement with that and what that's all about
2: yeah so um, generation distinct is an organization that helps young leaders to uh, really discover the wrong they were born to make right And um, I've known Hannah. uh, I knew her when she was Hannah Gronowski. Now she's Hannah Barnett. Uh, But Hannah had uh, had a calling. I mean, God just really put on her heart. We you know, we talked about that exponential impact. Right. And at a young age, Hannah was thinking, oh, I'll go serve in Africa or I'll be a missionary. You know, thinking those things that she would do on, on her own. And again, that limited by the amount of hours in a day for one individual in your capacity. Although I think Hannah actually operates on a 36 hour day, but uh, (laughs) it's a little unique though. But God put this calling on her heart. No, this is about you. Your purpose is to go equip other leaders and equip these young leaders in your generation to uh, figure out what's wrong in the world that's breaking their heart and go do something about it. And so Generation Distinct has a wonderful program that um, I love it, I'm I'm very pragmatic about behavior change, and I always wanna see, you know, learning for a purpose, learning for performance, learning for change, right? So it's not just that a leader needs to know something and tuck that away in their head, right? It's great if you read every Brene Brown book, but if you can't lead with empathy or lean into and rumble with vulnerability, what's the point, right? You You know, you just get to say, I have a book on my shelf. So, and Hannah's very much about that. So these young leaders come out, with a world change strategy and a community around them that is really rallying them to then take that world change strategy and activate it uh, so that's really you know my passion so she came to me a few years ago with this idea and uh in a letter inviting me to be the board president and i closed my my door to our front you know our front door to the house that i turned to my husband and i opened up the envelope and when i saw board president i said oh i gotta go walk over and tell Hannah that she gave me the wrong letter, but yeah. <laughs> of, she's a wiser person than I was at the time. So it's really been a blessing. And again, it I just love how God works, right? Upsurge Advisors is all about transforming leaders through learning. Um, the the mission work that I get to do in the world is, is to be part of something like Generation Distinct, right? It's all about right. this idea of, um, you know, really helping these leaders live into their purpose and be able to live into their purpose.
1: Well, let's talk. Let's, let that. That's great segue. Let it, let us now really talk about Upsurge Advisors. And so, uh, what's the ideal client? And give us a little background about Upsurge. How long has it been around? And then, what kind of clientele are you working with?
2: Yeah. So Upsurge. Um, upsurge has only been around since I want to say two thousand fifteen. Although that's not an only anymore, right?
1: But right.
2: I, I have been working, um, I had another company named Right Influence and that started in the early 2000s. But I have been doing learning experience design and facilitation since I was 21 years old. Um, right. I started really early, still in college mm-hmm. and I was working full time for a human resource development firm. But, um, but Upsurge came out of a partnership with my dear dear friend, um, Denny McGurr. And so some of you might be, whoo, who remember Danny, but um Danny McGurr was my partner, and we um, we it started out because we had a program all about cultivating business relationships, and we said, well, it'd be easier if we put a company around that. And then even after Danny retired, I just thought I love the idea of upsurge, and I loved um, right. what we had created there from a marketing point of view and just the branding and so I just kind of kept it and really, it's the focus is on bespoke learning, so we're looking. Um, our ideal client are organizations that want to pour into their leaders. They are committed to growing leaders, and they are looking for learning experiences that will be tied to strategic objectives. So that's kind of where I start. I have my MBA from the University of Chicago, so kind of come in first of all thinking about you know shareholders and stakeholders and what are we trying to accomplish and what are the ultimate outcomes, and then we think about well what can the leaders do now and what. What maybe are the leaders not doing that if we could change that behavior and get that all in alignment with the strategic objectives, of the organization, we could really propel that organization forward. And so that's what upsurge advisors does as we come in, figure out, you know, where are you going and where are your people right now? Do they have what it takes to get there? And if not, then we'll create those learning experiences and they're really learning mm-hmm. journeys. Um, that's yeah, kind of a exactly. Of
1: it. So it's not well, very if I was to ask you, where are some of the typical problems that you face going into an organization that you help solve? What would those be?
2: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. Um, there are it's on two levels. So on the one level, it is the behaviors. Right. So I have we'll use DEI right now. Right. So we have a huge push where organizations have recognized that if people don't feel a sense of belonging. Right. Diversity is. Diversity is is nice. It's great that there's representation, but it's a little bit like inviting people to the dance and then just leaving them standing on the walls, right? Like they're you know like a bunch of wallflowers right. hanging out. So it's really about how do we bring everybody onto the dance floor? And by the way, how do we give them a voice? And even what music gets played, right? Like give them give them a voice, and even how the party gets unfolds, right? right. So that's about belonging, and so that's a different model of leadership than most leaders have been brought up with, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a big problem that organizations are looking at and saying how, you know, we, we, we want to do more than just have a memo that was out there from George Floyd, from our CEO that says, no, 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 we believe in diversity. We believe in inclusion. They actually want to move the needle and they want to remove systemic barriers. And so that requires a different set skill set from their leaders. That's one aspect of what we'll do. And that's just one example of some of the pro you know, some of the challenges that we'll have. Um, I think a great, I don't even know if it's when, I don't think organizations bring us in for this, but it's a byproduct of what we do is I think a lot of organizations are frustrated with the amount of money that they put into training and the lack of impact, right? The lack of measurable results. And so what we end up doing is transforming their understanding of what learning is all about and really getting away from sage on the stage, right? Nobody learns from 70 (laughs) PowerPoints. Like yep. It just doesn't happen, right? And nobody really learns from an event, though I, I love getting paid to create events. <laughs> like, you, you know, right. I have kids to put through college, but it's I also know we could probably take the event money and burn it um, and have a similar effect on the leader. So I I come in and we really talk about what does it take to get sustained behavior change? And that just doesn't happen in a, you know, an eight hour event or a one hour virtual, you know, can you do an hour on negotiations? and like, that's not actually going to change, right? Right, so, exactly. You know, what I mean? like people are going to you know, be able to negotiate better. Your profit margin is not going to go up from one dazzling hour with us. So, right. we really look at creating these learning journeys and these and really recognizing how the human brain works, the neuroscience of, of adult learning, and then planning those journeys um, and, and putting them in place. And then that way, we can get the impact stories, we can hear from people. I learned this, I took it, I applied it, this is the result I'm getting. Or if they're not getting results, right, right, we can circle back and say, okay, what do we need to change?
1: Yeah, now, you know, when you look at this, there's a group dynamic, and then there's the individual part of this. So, you know, and I have to tell you, Nicole, and you know this as well as I do, I mean, there are learning programs or management learning programs or management skill programs out there that you could plaster all over from here to the moon. What makes yours unique or distinct, do you believe?
2: Yes. So as I said, that journey, right, that the fact that we're, you know, we're really embedding the, you know, our understanding of the neuroscience and embedding that in. Right. Um, It's interesting that you ask this because I was just looking at um, some materials that have been sent to me from another organization and and they're good. There's, There's something wrong with them. But I noticed that they start out by putting up a purpose slide. And then the learning objective slide. And then and then the real estate is shot, right? Because people's attention span, right? You have the first two right. minutes, like you have to capture them, right? So yep. when you look at a design by Nicole and my group, um, yep. you'll be a little shocked to find out that, wait, wait a minute, they come in, but then you put them in a breakout, or there's a, you know, th- wait a minute, they have to play an escape room game before we even begin and get right. up. You know, yep. So there's a little bit of, um, Really, understanding, again, that nuance of when are, when is people's attention the greatest? Um, creating an emotional journey as well. So maybe we'll have right. uh, you know if you you know people do like to know the purpose and things like that. but we can do that in a video. We can do that in a half an hour boot camp orientation moment just to say, by the way, you've got invited to this learning experience. Here's what it's all about. Get that out of the way, and then hit them hard emotionally and get get a very high emotional charge going to start. And then bring them very deep, you know. If, yep. if we spike emotions, unhappy, and then go very deep and serious, building psychological safety, having a lot, um, a lot of engagement, you know, the learner is at the center for real. So I know a lot of people will talk about learner centered, but it's still glorified PowerPoint and a few discussion questions at small roundtables. That's the yep. other thing you will not see is if we're on site. I'm going to recommend that you. Don't have big round tables and things like that. You, you know, we create a different environment, and even online, you know, we're just okay. learner at the okay. center, and I facilitators. Love kind of, yeah, well, facilitators kind of turn to me afterwards, They're like, I don't feel like I did that much work. I'm like, good, then you did it right.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's in the learner's hands, right? Uh, exactly. You know, right. As the old, uh, when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. But in this case, the <laughs> yeah. learner will appear, right? I mean, a lot of it's centered around you as a person being able to do that. And I got a lot of questions around that. Before I do that though, you've got a freebie that you're offering people today, the three scariest words leaders should say. Tell our audience a little bit about that and then I'll tell them how they can get it.
2: Okay, well, I'm not gonna gonna be a spoiler alert here. I won't tell you what those words are, but I will tell you that humility (laughs) and (laughs) self-awareness are important parts of leadership. So okay. that's where that that came from. <laughs>
1: okay. So folks, get out there and text us at 312-210-0603 with the keyword curious. And we're going to get this download right in your hands uh, that uh, Nicole has put together, The Three Scariest Words Leaders Should Say. And I can't believe we're out of the session already. I got so many more questions for you, Nicole. Hey, listen, guys, I want you to stay tuned here because we're going to put a whole lot more on what Nicole's doing uh, in just a minute. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and
1: encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio. Hey, we're back here, and I have a question for you. Are you looking for ways to increase your business, and especially now with uh, what we're seeing in the economy? Are you hungry for business relationships that matter, that help you grow personally, professionally, and spiritually? Well, welcome to G7 Networking with Purpose, where we form relationships that lead to quality referrals and life transformation. Uh, Experience networking with others of like-minded spirit via monthly meetings that follow a powerful format that invites interaction and connection. Immerse yourself in the proprietary G7 app, sharing leads, prayer requests, and increased visibility with the entire G7 network. Chapters are forming here in Chicago Land area, and I'm proud to announce that I'm the regional manager here in Chicago. So you want to text me out there at uh, hang on, 312-210-0603 with the keyword g letter G, and the numeral 7, and I will get back to you with some more information. So we're growing like crazy. Got five chapters here in Chicago, and that train is leaving the station. We got a lot lot going on, especially coming into the fall months. So I'm back here with Nicole DeFalco, the CEO of Upsurge Advisors. And if you miss the first two sessions of this, you got to get back on there. But there's a question that I had, Nicole, to follow up with. Uh, what makes you distinct? And one of the things that you had mentioned in the last segment was Fun. Now you're putting some. How important is fun in their learning, and fun for them to really grasp some of this stuff?
2: Yeah, I I cannot I, I cannot just oversell the importance of fun, and I think we've forgotten that. Um, I think learning and development got very serious. We took ourselves very seriously, and we were measuring how many bodies were in a room, and we were getting subject matter experts in front to slog through three hundred PowerPoint slides. <laughs> And I think somewhere along the way, we forgot that some learning is fun. It's there's a joy in it, right? There's a joy in going from, I can't do this. Like that struggle or that I really want to get better at this or how do I do it? Or even the fear, I mean, you know, like, you know, amusement parks make how much money, right? from that horrible moment of complete and utter fear, right? Right before the right. roller coaster like right. zooms down to the bottom, right? And your stomach comes up to your throat. We, even the fear moments and saying like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this or I really don't want to do this. And your brain pushing back and then you try it. And then you find out like, hey, I think I can do this. And, There's just this great process. So I think as learning experience designers, um, which I, you know, when I grew up in this business, we were called instructional designers, which tells you how little fun we were. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Even our title wasn't fun. Um, But now we are learning experience designers. And so I think fun is just huge. And I I think there's also, um, from an adult learning point of view, I have seen that a huge problem, our barrier to learning has been status management. We're very concerned about how we appear to other adults. And I think fun, lowers our inhibitions we forget all about that and and we're all in it and it's also very memorable and um it's good practice you know there, there's just a lot of enjoyment in it so i think you know building that into the experience is very well common.
1: you know the thing to me it almost takes you back to that childlike you know curiosity yeah. like you said And we're using curiosity as one of our key words today and and yep. It, you know, putting that element, just like you said, with a roller coaster, right? And how many times have you had, especially younger people, had experience coming down and they're, they're screaming their lungs out, and they come down. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Right. You know? That was great. <laughs> Get that, right. get that adrenaline rush, right? And it's like, oh yeah, yes. okay, yeah, that's cool.
2: <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Learning should have an effort to it. It should have sweat. It should have fun. There's a lot that's yep. required to get the human brain to change.
1: In your experience now, because you're working with you know different generations and all that, what is there any distinction between the learning of uh uh for younger people now and particularly millennials and z's and whatever Mm -hmm. they are calling the alphabet suit now with the next generation
2: sure sure there i think the biggest thing is that um the younger generations younger leaders are more foraging leaders um and so a shout out to my learning geeks for teaching me that uh the terminology but foraging leaders so i and and i've seen it right And, and you've all seen it like I, I our our conversations just even I have two sons who are 20 and 24, and our conversations even in our family, you know, we'll talk about something and it's like, well, I'll just go look that up, right? They'll they'll go look right. it up and then that they'll find one piece of information and that will lead them to the next piece of information, right? So I think that the difference is that we were more conditioned Gen X, boomers, we were more conditioned to have this structured Learning provided for us, right? Like I didn't learn unless somebody put me in a learning environment, put me in a training class, and then I, you know, I kind of learned. And there, were, and that's not a hundred percent. I mean, there are right. some folks who are eighty years old and they're great foraging learners and kudos to you. But I think most, I think the younger generation is just better at it. It's more innate for them to say, I'm going to try this. I'm going to use social media. I'm going to put this out there on social media and see what people think about it, get feedback. They deal with the positive and negative of that feedback. They find their own filters. They figure out what they really need, and they adjust. So I saw one young leader. um, Yeah, she just went through this. She was looking for a job. She just graduated college. And she put her website up. She's a graphic designer. She had her website up. She had her resume out there. And she got some pretty harsh feedback from mm. a couple of people who were just a couple of years ahead of her. But she culled through what was real, brought it in, fixed the website, fixed her resume, and she landed a job, I want to say inside of a month. So
1: Wow. You know, wow.
2: yeah. So that's for great. that foraging
1: works. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, that that is great. And it's so encouraging to hear that too, you know, because yeah. there's so much uh, you know negativity around some of them sometimes around that generation and uh oh, you know I, I keep pushing brilliant. back and it's going to be the best generation this country's ever seen it's going to certainly without be the biggest without a for, doubt. you
2: without know doubt. and those and of they, us that
1: are in our yeah. retirement years are counting on that you know so
2: <laughs> exactly. right. yeah somebody needs to take care of us
1: um, yeah, they got, well, the good they news is they're good out.
2: learners so they'll watch a youtube video and figure it out but they yeah. um, I, I want to send a note. we sort of talked about takeaways, and and I think that's right. an important takeaway, I hope that to punctuate for business leaders and for people in the learning space is what that means for us is we have to relinquish an amount of control
1: yeah. uh,
2: and and allow for more of that foraging to happen. Allow people to put unfinished, messy versions of things out in the world to get that feedback loop going and Um, and just think differently about what learning looks like, right? We can, we can learn while we work and we can work while we learn. And so
1: I think that's, then then that adult learning is really experiential learning. As you know, in our curriculum, it's more about experiential learning. That's how people by doing, and everybody can take something and do it their way because then they, they have the pride of ownership, you know, that they've done it. It's, it fits them, it's their method, you know, and all that stuff. And, and, um, that's why you know, particularly about to you and the neuroscience and a lot of learning we've done is the fact that we've we've learned that you know in adult learning, it th- these are the characteristics of how people take information in uh, mm-hmm. and also meeting them where they're at as to how they do take yeah. that information, whether it be auditory, kinesthetic or uh, visual. And we know that a lot of the population now are visual learners, so you know, there's gotta be a component of that in there that, you know, resonates and hits mm-hmm. with them. And then also a big dose of fun, right? So, right, <laughs> hey, exactly. real quick, um, what do you give praise, uh, what do you give God praise for in your business?
2: Oh, you know what? God just provides, that is that is his provision. Um, I have not been very big on marketing the business or mm-hmm. doing a lot of advertising and um, and God has just put phenomenal people um, and projects and brought them our way. And I always say we never know what's around the corner, but we know God is around the corner.
1: There you go. Uh, there you go. Right?
2: Like, I can't see, you know, I can't bend around, but I can tell you he'll be there, whatever it is. And so I we love just, it. Um, yeah. So
1: give me some examples him. how you're incorporating your faith at work, because obviously that's what the Faith Marketplace is about. How are we incorporating yeah. our faith at work?
2: I think a lot of what we've talked about, really, when I say like my fruit grows on other people's trees. So this isn't about me. This is about God. And even when I am working in a secular space and I'm working with leaders who wouldn't necessarily say that they're trying to live out God's purpose for their life, Mm -hmm. I know they are. (laughs) So ultimately, everything that I do is about equipping leaders to live out God's purpose for their life, Um, whether it's, overt, you know, in generation distinct, that's what we say and that is what right. generation distinct is all about. At Upsurge Advisors when we're in a secular environment, we don't necessarily say that because not everybody believes in God and and or they believe in different things than we believe in, but ultimately I know God has a purpose for everyone and I know that we play a role in that as disciples who are right we're we're sent forth yep. to make disciples of all the nations and Part of making disciples is to sort of show them, like Jesus did, right? Come with me, come see what I do, and then yep. go do what I do, right? So I love it. He was yep. the ultimate, right? The ultimate learning experience designer, really. If you think about it, it's pretty good, right? Well, um, yeah. So, you know, right.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like St. Francis said, "Go and spread the gospel. Use words if necessary. A lot of this is right, by exactly. your actions." And what I tell leaders, it's about the walk, not just the talk you know yes. because people your actions will belie your faith if you are be careful you got to really be careful yes. with that yeah. so before i before we get out of time here what words of wisdom nicole since you are uh, very mature in your uh, in your thinking and your years what words of wisdom would you give to your younger self
2: Oh, stop worrying I, <laughs> there were so many things that i worried about <laughs> and spread it over, and tried to control through worry, and and I wish I had turned more worry into prayer and worship, and not, not really wasted minutes yeah. of
1: worry. Yeah, I, I yeah, you, you said a mouthful there because I think probably, and that's really uh, you know a lot of what our, our younger generation is facing right now. A lot of depression, a lot yeah, of worry, a lot, a lot of you know, anxiety, and all that stuff. So. Uh, if I was to ask you, what would you tell us that maybe people don't know about you or whatever, which I assume is a lot of people, that's interesting, fun, and cool about you?
2: Oh, I don't know what's so cool about me. But um, I will say this. I am a huge fan of sci-fi and spies and superheroes and the NFL. So I, I guess basically, Bob, I love a good mystery, whether it's aliens or murders or who's going to win the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> I That's love tough. it. <laughs> well, that belies the fact that you are a student of human nature, so you're looking at it from all different <laughs> angles. <laughs> I love it. There you go. Well, folks, I can't believe it. We're out of time in this segment already, but you got to stick tuned with us, okay? Because Nolan, uh, Nicole and I are coming back in the next segment, and we're going to roundtable a mystery subject. So you got to come back to find out what the mystery subject is, if nothing else, right? So stay tuned with us. Come back and nicole and i will be uh, roundtabling a mystery subject this is chicagoland's
0: place to inspire equip and encourage christian business leaders faith marketplace
1: radio hey we're back here with nicole defalco ceo of upsurge advisors and myself, and we are going to mystery, we're going to roundtable a mystery subject, and Nicole, what is our mystery subject?
2: Oh, thank you very much. How about this, gang? I'm turning the tables on Bob. So Bob, the mystery subject for today is, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that we've been talking a lot about human performance, and we've been talking mm-hmm. about learning as a strategic lover, but I want to recognize that it is more than just creating learning experiences for your learners and expect for your leaders and expecting that behavior change because there are externalities around the leaders that affect how they behave and so the example Bob that I gave you was I got asked to create a negotiation skills workshop and so we started the conversation about well wait a minute why do you need this and I started to ask some questions and I asked about compensation and it turned out that the salespeople were compensated on revenue which I said that's You know, I could create an amazing negotiation skills workshop, but it's not going to affect a difference because you're paying them on revenue. They're just going to drop the price and sell volume. uh, And they're not not being paid on margin, right? So the learning has to go along, like it would be better to make the comp change and then also skill around that, right? We're changing it. We're going to pay you on margin and now we're going to skill you. Negotiations, right.
1: so you know, um, and, and one of the things you brought up in a break was you know, the, the interesting thing is there's so much that goes around this whole performance thing, and yes. so why don't we touch on a couple of those key ones, you know, that like uh culture, environment, you know, maybe and you brought up DEI, uh, so let's dive into that, Nicole. So let's just take yeah. culture uh, as one of those things because it's, it's a big conversation going on now, yeah. as you know, it's almost yeah. uh, you know out there everywhere. So, in your from your perspective, where do you see culture and how important is it playing into the overall arching performance?
2: Sure. You know, culture is the reality. Uh, the, the, you know, it, it has an, um, you know, Edgar Schein would talk about that. There's sort of these, um, it, you know, there's the explicit values and there's the implicit values, right? So there's the things that are on the wall that we all are right. supposed to be doing. And then there's what's really happening and and how work really gets done and and culture affects that. So I, you know, one examples I had given you was that we were talking about like unconscious bias training, like, so I think a lot of organizations are sort of taking that first step to say, well, at the very least, like, let's start there, let's start with unconscious bias training. But, but then you're putting people back in an environment where the rules of the road, the systemic bias, is, is still there. So even though I might have slightly more awareness of my own biases, but the rules of the road are that this type of person is who we promote, Um, or this is, you know, or, you know, some, some culture things that I've seen is leaders have a shorthand way of working and that's, they have their go-to people. Right. And I have my go-to people, and and I just always give the choice projects to this person or these three people. And those go-to people tend to look a lot like me. They come from the same school that I came from. Yeah. Right. They're they're little they're mini-me's, and I'm very proud of my mini-me's. And I'm going to keep going. But that's not going to help reshape uh, the the level of belonging and inclusion of people from who don't look like me, from other ethnicities, other races. Right. So I think it's really important for especially as learning professionals, not to just get pigeonholed and say, all I do is focus on the behavior of the human being. We have to look at the context in which that behavior right. then plays
1: out. Yeah. And you, you, and you said also, particularly in a sales role, you know, how much compensation really plays into it. You know, uh, yeah. as the old adage goes, right. You, you measure, <laughs> right. What you can see, but also uh, I've seen it many times with, uh, with compensation programs is you're incenting the wrong thing okay right you're putting an incentive on the wrong thing the wrong behavior the wrong outcome you want to have i would would guess that particularly because you know this a lot better that that also plays into culture uh that also plays into inclusion and plays into all these things that we're seeing kind of popping up now that around this you know performance system that's been pretty much ones and zeros or you know you're measured on certain uh, tasks or uh, performance levels Mm -hmm. that you're doing uh so In your experience, then, how would you frame out that, um, uh, particularly with inclusion, where you've seen a good example where, where inclusion has really raised the bar for performance?
2: Yeah, so I'm working with one organization right now and they're doing a phenomenal job where instead of trying to fix, this is in the UK, they're not fixing the black talent. They've recognized the black talent are quite capable individuals. In fact, they're probably the most resilient people in the organization. Uh, representation is lower than they want it to be, but they have a very good goal to change that. Uh, but they've also recognized that there's a huge drop off at certain points with the talent. So what we started to work on with the leaders is, first of all, providing sponsorship because that, again, when you talk about what's the culture, in order to get promoted to the higher levels of management in the organization, you need to have sponsorships or providing sponsorship for the for black talent, black leaders. But what we've also recognized is that those leaders those those more senior leaders need to be able to look at the environment and the where they have that sphere of influence and to start making those systemic changes so that we can obsolete the need for this learning experience right so if we can get the leaders to really understand what it takes to um, cultivate experiences of belonging not only from their own behavior, but also looking around the environment around them and saying, what are those systemic barriers to these folks moving forward in the organization and being actively engaged in removing them. And it's not always easy because they're not always obvious. Sometimes they're just the way things get done and that's the excuse. Um, So it takes a lot of bravery to be the one to stand out in a moment and say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to make this change. So um, I think they're doing a great job. And I'm just encouraging more and more organizations to do that, to, you know, have the courage to equip your leaders, to look around provide the funding that's needed, provide the margin that's needed and the availability of their time and energy to make those changes within their sphere of influence. And How
1: much have you amazing. seen also, there's another thing that I've seen starting to emerge a bit and it really started with the technology companies, uh, people with uh, learning disabilities, uh, particularly yeah. one that has come to the forefront, particularly on Silicon Valley, uh, people with autism and how yeah. they are now figuring this out that they've got special gifts and special talents can very much fit into you know, the mainstream mm-hmm. so h- have you seen much effort in that area with uh, with folks that uh, are yeah, in that situation
2: yes. oh it's fantastic we did a program for leaders and in that case we were um we actually did need to work on the leadership skills of the folks right. with disabilities um but it wasn't so much their leadership we found out it was not really the leadership skills it was just recognizing they they didn't have a lot of them had some of this attitude of, I'm just glad I have this job. I'm glad that I'm working in a company that's making accommodations. And we're like, whoa, bar too low. <laughs> like
1: you yeah to, right.
2: Raise the bar. So it wasn't really raising the bar on themselves. It was like, you're great. Like raise your expectations of where you can go in this organization. And so we really again, we we took the veil and the mystery off of what does it take. To move ahead in the organization we sort of again tried to level the playing field so they understood the implicit rules of the road not just the written right. rules of the road but by the way this is really what it looks like to get ahead putting personal brands together looking at their leadership skills what does it take to have these difficult conversations that sometimes you need to have when you're advocating for yourself and uh it was just phenomenal and i have to tell you bob as a learning experience designer it opened up my eyes like the things that we hadn't been doing um, and you know you think of the obvious ones like, yeah, we don't always turn on closed captioning when we're in a meeting. That's right. like mild. <laughs> I'll, I will tell you, we had to figure out water for the dogs. and you know, like all these different things, right? There's so many different things to think about right. that create that environment of belonging so that people can thrive. And so I think organizations that are getting wise to that and figuring out that there's this untapped market of genius to, to go to for talent so
1: yeah. hopefully well again, said and <clears throat>
2: have to create that environment so people can thrive
1: well as you know I've got a special heart for formerly incarcerated you know and that's a ta- yeah. uh, again an untapped talent I mean most of those yeah. people just made poor choices but they want you know to work and it, we've got chapter and yes. verse case on that as to how fabulous they make it as far as employees go in uh, and, and yeah. getting ahead and wanting to be promoted and be a productive member of society and get their dignity back, you know? So yes. I'm all yes. for it. I can't believe we're out of time, Nicole. We could do another hour <laughs> on of it. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And thank, thank you, you, Nicole. This has been stimulating. We're going to be back next week here on AM 1160. Thanks
0: for joining us for Faith Marketplace Radio, here to inspire, equip, and encourage Chicagoland's Christian business community. Faith Marketplace is on every Saturday at noon, right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Listen to past shows anytime online at faithmarketplace.com.